Hello and welcome to another edition of Editing Aloud. I hope the lights don't go out while we're talking. Um, these are dark days indeed, and we're very lucky to have on this panel and to have around us in our lives generally Hilary Joffe, because not only has she worked at Business Day for a long time, but she's also worked at ESCOM. So she knows people there and she knows how, how painful it must be for them uh, to be in this situation and the painful for the country, because Hilary, you've written about the economy extensively for, a long, for many years. This is hurting South Africa unbelievably. It would have to. Sustained load shedding is really going to do huge economic damage and damage confidence, which the yeah. president had been working so hard to rebuild over the past year. Um, I think we don't know yet um, how long it's going to be, but there's clearly no quick fix solution. And uh, that was the tenor of, of yesterday's press conference yeah. by the Department of Public Enterprise. And I think that, you know, we already had pretty modest growth expectations for this year. Yeah. The Treasury's forecasting one and a half percent. I'm not sure we're going to make it. Yeah. So w I watched a bit of that press conference yesterday. It was uh, Pravin Gordon was there. CEO of ESCOM was there. Jabu Mabuza, the chairman, was there. What did you think of how well or how not well they did? In I felt honesty. there was a lack of preparation and yeah. I wasn't sure what the message was or the narrative and there was very little new information. That is a worry. I, I think um, perhaps they're not working with the, the Eskom communications people internally who have a lot of experience in these sorts of so briefings. So not working with? The Eskom communications people internally oh, who really? have quite a lot of experience in right. these sorts of briefings. But I think a lot of people, including people in the market, were struck by how little was actually said. It took a very long time to say very little and a lot what of it is, was but what is sort it of say? educational I mean, stuff about yeah, how does the boiler yeah, work, yeah, yeah. which certainly some of the people in that press conference know very well. And yeah. what they want to know is what's going on and what are you going to do about it? And, and, and if, you, if, if there is a hole in a tube in a boiler, then what they said, I presume, is true, right? So you, you cool it down, you get into the, the mass of tubing that is inside these things. It can be 100 meters high some of these boilers. Um, uh, what is there to do other than world it closed again? Look, Peter, I think one's got to be very wary of people trying to over-technicalize yeah. this problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know these power stations are clapped out, the yeah. old ones. Yeah. We know the new ones are not performing the way they were supposed to because the process of building yeah. there was really not ideal. Uh, we know that. The point is, are there people there? Is there management and leadership which can nurse these power stations through it? Because it's not like any of these problems are new. They are worse, but they are not new. And in the past, I think there have been more resources in terms of institutional memory, which I'm very worried has got very lost because yeah. so many people yeah. have left, institutional memory and skills and experience. And my fear is that uh, that kind of competence to nurse the system through is just not there to the same extent anymore because of the kind of huge damage that capture and, and corruption have done to Eskom and the huge damage of, in fact, the political interference of the past few years. So I think it's a management problem and a, it's, not, it's not a purely technical problem. Okay. And I think looking at boiler tube leaks, which I mean, you'll remember 2008, we also heard all yeah. about the boiler tube leaks, is not really telling us anything. Yeah. How does, what, is, what, is, what would management have to do? What would, what would the right management be doing now? First of all, they'd be marshalling resources. Yeah. Second of all, they'd be making sure whatever resources they need. I mean, if there's no diesel, it's because you didn't plan for yeah. this much diesel. It's yeah, not just because there's I not mean, money. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, and it comes by ship because we can't store it, right? So or we, it needs to be refined yeah, and the refineries need yeah, to provide for it. Yeah. You need to kind of get down yeah. there and sort out the diesel. Yeah. If, there's, if the maintenance is not being done properly, then somebody needs to get onto why it's not yeah. being done properly. And um, one of the Eskom insiders, I must say, put it this way, he said, um, Eskom is run, being run by, by procurement and human resources. In yeah. other words, the sort of compliance stuff yeah. is now so overwhelming the, the kind of engineering. operation, no, not just the engineering, yeah. just the kind of need to fix things yeah. because of perhaps fears of corruption now yeah. that, that they sort of strangled. And one of the examples, one of the new things that I did discover, it's technical in a way, uh, there was a contract to predict when the boiler tube leaks would happen. Yeah. Yeah. which Eskom had long had in place. This was either cancelled or expired 18 months ago. It has not been renewed. So in other words, that predictive kind of maintenance yeah. that used to be in place, yeah. that data analysis that, that they used to use, is no longer there, and that contract has not yet been renewed. Good grief, you know. I mean, so in the middle of all of this, um, uh, Lucanio, we find even in the state sector, more madness in the paper this, in Business Day this morning. An amazing story from Carol Payton. Um, uh, to, and it's ESCOM related as well, Hillary. I don't know whether you read it. Um, that, that Optimum, which is the Gupta coal mine supplying Hendrina, one of the biggest power, the biggest power station in the whole fleet, um, uh, that, that somebody's made a bid to buy it for, out of business rescue. And the somebody is a state-owned state -owned mining company that didn't have permission from the Treasury to do it, didn't have permission from the Minister of Energy to do it. And there's this deal being done between the business rescue people and something called um, AEMFC, which is uh, basically out of the... It's going to be the state mining company. Basically related to the Central Energy Fund. These are the people who, do, who sold our petrol stocks. Mm. Uh, I mean, How does that happen? I mean, this is really a fascinating story, Peter. And then the funny thing as well, this wasn't really done in secret. If you, if you, all you have to do is just Google it. And the, the thing was announced in February out there, like it's in the open. And like, you know, that, that's, it sort of just talk, talks about a lack of control. Right? Yeah. Like, did nobody, when they saw this first list or this news article, say like, oh, how do they do this? Where Was did they, there get, a where did they get the permission from? Has there been a news article about it? Yeah. Where, like, where did it appear? It appeared all over the place. All you have to do is Google the, the, the name and you'll yeah. see like news articles yeah. on, on, in February about them being appointed as the prefect. So why did we not put up our ears and say, hang on a second, this is... But I, I suppose at the time, like, I mean, that, that's why it's a breaking story, yeah. but at the time we didn't actually know yeah. that, they, 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 yeah. that these rules were broken yeah. or, that, or that they didn't yeah. actually got the necessary permission from... Yeah. from I mean, it's just extraordinary, right? Like, you would, it's not something you would think to ask yeah. <laughs> because you would think, like... Yeah, I have to say, I mean, the, the business rescue at... at, at, at there are two coal mines that Gupta's own that supplied... One supplies um, Kumati, I Hendrina. think it is. And there's Kumati and Hendrina. Optimum supplies Hendrina. There's a, then there's a... It's an Afrikaans name that I can't remember at the moment. Supplies um, Kumati. And the, those, that business... It's a dirty business, you know, because there's... All sorts of stuff moving out of those coal mines all the time. One doesn't, and it moves out at night, yeah. you know, slurry and this sort of thing. And nobody knows, who, you know, if, surely the business rescue people are doing these kind of deals. How can they be, how can they be trusted to do a decent job? Look, I, I, I sympathize with uh, the public enterprise minister, Praveen Gordon. There is just so much to clean up. It's, it, it must be, feel overwhelming. But I continue to think that Apart from the cleanup, I mean, the, well, of course one needs to obsess about the cleanup because it keeps coming out in so many different ways. But, but 
Putting that on one side, what is needed is to put in strong executives at ESCOM. Let them do what they need to do and don't sort of cripple them with a bunch of requirements or political inf yep. interference you know, it, it, and let them turn the place around yes, uh, because it's yes. not unfixable. It yeah. is fixable. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is fixable. I mean, the whole idea that uh, I think Praveen has, I mean, we've always, I mean, he's, he's great fight was a Zuma fight and we applaud him for that. I think with regards to now where he's sitting when it comes to ESCOM, He's freezing that that company. Nothing is happening in the company because of this uh, political uh, intervention within ESCOM. If uh, the, the CEO Pagamani has got no strength within the organisation, the board, the board itself, they can't actually do the job of sweating the assets, which is the focus. What should be all this talk about? Yesterday he mentioned three thousand uh, employees. I, I just imagine myself as an ESCOM employee. Would I be willing to do anything? Would I be willing to sell off, uh, sign any document or procure anything right now at ESCOM, knowing that there's this cloud yeah, and there's this all-powerful minister? Which, no, he's done a great job, right? He's one of our, I'll, I'll put it out there, one of our heroes. But with regards to ESCOM, I think it's time now that DP and Praveen steps aside and, and, and these issues of optimism. But have, they, but, but have so they appointed the right, have they got the right management in like there? He, clearly, he has got no faith in the board, right? So maybe and as his board. So or yeah. the chief executive. Or the chief executive. So he, changes should be made there yeah. and he should step back. And actually, I mean, the, the, thing, the thing, frustrating thing about ESCOM and our problems are all these uh, problems, we knew about them in 2013, all the solutions and the governance of these uh, SOEs, we have them. They, the yeah. government themselves have put them down, but no one is enacting them. And as much as uh, uh, Malusi was terrible for DP, I would say Praveen's intervention now is just as bad. Although he's, he's a good guy, and we, we know there's, like, there's a rot in, in, in ESCOM, but his, his work now is actually crippling ESCOM. ESCOM wow. needs to focus on the operations, uh, all the all the co-power But because he needs to find, you know, I have to say, yeah. I mean, you know, Brian Malef has been accused of a lot of things, mm. but he was a good leader in ESCOM. People liked him. People seemed to respond to him. Mm. The fact that he was involved in all sorts of yes, nefarious yeah. things is, is, I mean, is poor. As but, as I mean, a good leadership, yeah, good leadership matters. Yes, and great executives who are actually engineers, as, as she said, yeah. who actually know how these things tick and work. Yeah. Right now, the, the so How many engineers are there on the board? Uh, with experience, there's none, right? Right now, there's and like one. It's not just a question of engineers. Mm. There are non-engineers yes. who know how to run engineering yeah. organizations. Mm. Some of the people who run big mining companies in yeah. South Africa are not engineers. They CAs or yeah. whatever they are. Yeah. It's it's there are people with experience in running very large. Uh, operating technical yeah. organizations. They don't have to be engineers as such, but yeah. they need, as Ron says, I, I totally agree. I mean, you need, if you don't like the executives or the yes. board and you don't trust them, put in people who can do the job who you do trust and then trust them to do it. Is, is it also yeah. like a point, you know, when they came in, obviously, like when the new board, it was all already about the financing, right? About trying to get them back into the markets because nobody was lending to ESCOM at the time. Yeah. Maybe like their focus ended up too much, really, a bit about finance and not really about how to, about, yeah. about how to yeah. run the place yeah. so all these things that Ron is talking about yeah. they were basically neglected because and listen, it, it's and, all and about next, at the end of next week um, what happens Moody's, Moody's what does Moody's do at the end of next week does it does it adjust its outlook or does it grade us? There, there, there is a bit of a confusion about that because there's an assumption to some people that you have, that you have to change the outlook before yeah. you, you actually technically, like, you, you but technically you don't but apparently like, so we cleared it up with, with, with them last week yeah. you don't actually have to even though it's very unusual for them yeah. to just go straight from not changing the outlook yeah. and go straight to like downgrading you yeah. but, but you shouldn't be ruling it out yeah. yeah, the trouble is if they don't anticipate, it makes them look like yeah. they've missed the ball, okay. they, their eyes been off the ball. So they usually try and message it in advance, but 
It's and, perfectly and, possible they might not do that. Um, so what do you think they'll do? I mean, South Africa now is, is unable to supply power 24-7, which is a shocking state of affairs to, to, to be in. Um, there seems to be no quick fix. We will, you know, their announcement may take place in the dark. Um, uh, we might even vote in the dark. We might even vote in the dark. So, yeah. so how, how possibly could Moody's not downgrade us, Hillary? They look, they, they look at our ability to pay. Mm. That's yeah. really all credit agencies do. Yeah. Are we yeah. credit worthy? What is our ability yeah. to repay our debts? And so far, every time they've come to the brink, because they've put us on review for a downgrade yeah. twice now yeah. and pulled back. Mm. So they've got to be quite careful this time because they can't cry wolf again. Mm. Um, so if they put us on, they could put us on negative outlook, which yeah. I think is extremely likely. Yeah. They're looking at the fiscal figures. They're looking at the debt ratios and yeah. it's South Africa's ability to repay. The budget itself, you'll recall, was not was pretty grim, yeah. the numbers. Yeah. Um, and now, in addition to that, we've got a growth story which may not even be yeah. as modestly good as the budget anticipated. So next Friday is going to be a bad news day one way or the other? I would imagine they may, the, the, the most likely is a negative outlook. Okay. Another old friend of the House, as it were, a former colleague of ours on both, uh, on, certainly on the Financial Mail, I'm not sure whether he ever worked for Business Day. Duncan McLeod, you know he writes about technology and he's um, set up his own uh, uh, technology media business, but he's also been active politically lately and he started his own party um, uh, called, and not to be confused with, uh, with the South African Communist Party, but the ZACP, the Capitalist Party of South Africa, Duncan, um, who's on the phone, you're going to field 10 candidates in the May 8th election on a pro-free market individual liberty ticket. Duncan, welcome to the show. And why are you moving into the DA space like this? <laughs> Peter, thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. So it's a privilege to be on. Um, yeah, we, um, we think that DA has moved somewhat to the left in recent years. In, in, in some respects, it's been a bit like an ANC light. Uh, so I think they've opened up a gap in the market. And uh, um, I, I think there's a space for this. Um, you know, millions of South Africans are capitalists. Uh, Without even knowing it, the taxi driver is a capitalist. Absolutely, the father shop owner is a capitalist, and we're the party for those people, and we hope to appeal to them. Yeah, and and sort of what sort of what sort of policy positions do you think? You know, you, you don't have much time, and you probably don't have much resources. What sort of policy positions can you take that would be attractive to somebody who's driving a taxi or who's trying to sell, um, you know, fruit on the streets of Johannesburg? How can, you, how can you help them? Because that's what they are. They're informal traders, but they are in a market, and we need to do our best to make sure that that market is free and fair. Absolutely, and um, I highly encourage anyone listening to the show or watching the show to visit our website, capitalist.org.za, uh, where we set out all of our plans and um, some key interventions we, we intend to promote in Parliament once we are elected. Uh, to make some some real and meaningful changes immediately, um, we also set out our ten principles, which are focused around, as you said, liberty, free markets, and individual rights before group rights. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, you know the, um, we uh, capitalism in many respects in South Africa has become a bit of a dirty word, and it needn't be. Um, you know, capitalism has lifted billions of people out of poverty in the last 50 years, and it can have the same impact in South Africa if we are allowed, if we allow 
business to flourish and uh, we get the yeah. government out of people's lives. I'm going to ask some of my colleagues to, um, to, to grill you as well, Ron. I mean, what, if you, one question for Duncan, what, are you, what would it be? It would, it would definitely be the, the question of uh, transformation and uh, land. Uh, what are your thoughts with regards to those two? Well, those are the big fracture in the, in the DA, per se. So what are your views on, on BE and taking a forward transformation of the country? We, uh, our view on, on black economic empowerment yeah. and affirmative action is very clear. We take a position of equality and that individual rights uh, take supremacy to group rights. And our position, I'm quoting from our website here, affirmative action undermines meritocracy Historical discrimination against certain groups does not justify present discrimination against other groups. Can you? I suppose you, you don't go into a race if you think you're going to lose. So what, what, what are your ambitions in terms of what, what, how many seats are you aiming for? Well, we've got, um, we've got 10 candidates and we're hoping to get all 10 into Parliament. So that's our, that's our plan. Duncan, if you get all 10 into Parliament, I will personally buy you the most expensive case of champagne I can lay my, lay my hands on. Um, Hilary, what, what, um, what do you think? What is your strategy to grow the economy, Duncan? Yeah, yeah come on. Well, we're going, to, we're going to get the government out of the economy. We're going to fix ESCOM, um, and we're going to do that by breaking it up, selling off the bits, and most importantly, probably, introducing competition at every level of the electricity system. Yeah. And we're going to do that in every sector. We don't think the government should be running businesses, and we're going to privatize and sell off SOEs, introducing competition in, at the same time, uh, and get the economy working again. Um, you know, I think it's been, it's been shown that the government cannot run companies, and it needs to get out. But Duncan, you need, you need about between 35 and 50,000 votes to get a seat in Parliament. Yeah. Um, you probably... You probably could if you were running an imaginative campaign um, uh, and we'll see how well you do you've got to, obviously got to get out into into uh, into the streets and knock on doors and 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 pamphleteer and all that sort of thing what will you do if what would you do if you were in a position say after the election in say Gauteng and you were able to decide whether the EFF or the DA uh, or the ANC became the next provincial government would you would you go into coalition with any one of those? Well, we unfortunately won't be in that position because we're not contesting the provincial ballots. We're only, we're only contesting at the national level. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I'll let you off with that answer. Um, but uh, listen, lots of good luck. Have a lot of fun and make a lot of noise. And we'll, 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 watch, you, we'll watch you carefully. It's great fun. Thanks very much. Okay. Peter. Take care, Duncan. Thanks very much. Um, a panel in the, the lead in the, in the financial mail today, unfortunately we don't have either the editor or the deputy editor with us, um, but what we have is a story about what Steinhoff has re Steinhoff's edited version, I presume, of the PwC report into the collapse of Steinhoff, right? And as I understand it, um, in Parliament, uh, the chairman of Steinhoff, Heather Son, was forced to say who these senior executives were, and she named Marcus Eustace and a whole lot of other people. Is there anything in here, in here that you've seen? Does this take the story any further? I mean, does it now, is, does, has PwC produced anything prosecutable? Well, I mean, the numbers, I mean, they are, they are, they are as, I mean, you're saying like it's a summary, but... I'm saying, yeah, but I mean, I the numbers what I'm are asking is, the, the, is, can Marcus Eustace be prosecuted on the basis in South Africa for what PwC has discovered, do you think? I mean, it says here yeah, that they, they, they had fictitious deals of up to 100 
billion rands. Yeah. I mean, if that's not procedurable. <laughs> yeah, but, this, but, they're not, but not all have taken place here. I, I was wondering actually about mm -hmm. the possibility of a prosecution, the likely prospect of a prosecution by the German authorities. And you remember that it was the German tax authorities yeah, that, that, that first that, that raised that the red him, yeah. flag. Yeah. And surely a lot of this was offshore structures. Yeah. And yeah. Um, in Europe, uh, this sounds But it, all it will do is take one, one deal, one cocky little deal in this country. Um, uh, and we can have them in jail here rather than relaxing, you know, in a German prison in the in you know Bonn or, or on the banks of the Rhine. But we Surely have so we much want him corruption here. to chase. It almost perhaps we should sort of. Uh, no, but I mean it's an important. You know, this is white collar corruption. Yep. This is white collar crime, and it's so important that it gets nailed. Yes, nailed here. I mean, this will be one of the big tests for the, our new NPA. I think there's lots of stuff in the, I mean, it's, 50, it's 11 pages of, I think it's a 15,000 page yeah. document that hopefully yeah. that the NPA or uh, uh, our departments get a chance to look at it. But I think this is, I mean, there's enough in there to finally nail someone. And I agree with you, a big name, we need, like a Juste uh, candidate, we're always seeking the Zuma eventuality yeah. about Zuma going, going to court. But... This is an opportunity. I, yeah, I this think is a big opportunity. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you've got you've got Marcello Coco. Yes. The, I mean, that's like so, uh, so obvious. Yes. Um, yes. Brian Leffe, not yes. not necessarily for for, or for uh, SCOM, but mm. lots of stuff at, at Transnet. They've got to be, you know, there's got if you were, if you were planning, and of course this is what you can't do. Um, uh, but you, you you know, if you were if you if you wanted to make a big deal before an election, I put some you know just put handcuffs on some of these people. Even if it's just for a few hours, you know, arrest them, charge them, they can be go to court, they can go to court I mean, later. What's funny, uh, fascinating about this, you always talk about the NPA, about mm. how, like, it's been destroyed mm. and it's, like, less mm. capacity. Yeah. But this story actually broke in Europe. So, But yeah. it doesn't look like anything actually that's yeah. happened in Europe in these two years either. I mean, I don't know, have you had anything no, coming from the German no. prosecutors? No. I mean, I, I found it really quite strange. No, and no look, I mean, well, I think all of these law legal agencies are, yeah. are, are, are slow. I mean, if you read the books on, on the U.S., they're both... Um, uh, um, Two of them, right? Uh, Rob Rose and, oh my dear, I've forgotten who the other one was, but they both make the point that stuff happened here too. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, all it requires is some investigation. I mean, Yusta got off on, on a, it was a civil case brought by, by SARS at the time. Um, and he was found guilty and then not guilty by, 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 the, by the Court of Appeals which I think should look at, it, at its work yeah. again in the light of what we now know to be true. Um, it's an absolutely uh, uh, um, amazing story. And it just happens to be today, I think, that um, you were reporting yesterday that Ramaphosa would today d sign into law the creation at the NPA of this investigating director. I think they were hoping to do that before Parliament closes. So yeah, which is today. So hopefully that will be done. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what the, te what the technicalities, what happens if he doesn't. I don't do think it's something you have the, to vote on or anything yeah, like that. I think no, it's just to be deposited it, it just be and, it, and it can be and can be important. But Ron, whoever gets this job is going to have a field day. Well, on this, uh, on everything, on everything. I mean, it's, it's an open season, and the one thing before Aaron Porter came into power, which I, I must applaud him for, like there was always a talk his, his camp was saying, "It's all these cases, and we're going to go after everything as soon mm. as uh, if he wins yeah. an airstrike and so on, and we, we'll strike." And I think 
ahead of election. This is the time, man. This, this, this provides some ammunition. Can you imagine just Marcus just uh, have minus uh, like a whole raid on him? That uh, would be excellent for me. Just give but that what, uh, Of course, but what can't happen yes. is that you can't have that instruction be a political one. Yeah, it cannot, it cannot, it cannot be. It must just happen. And, and, and yeah. this has got to work. Yes. This has got to work with Shamila Batohi, yes. the new head of the yes. NPA, doing what she promised yes. to do when yes. she got the job, which was going catch these people. Which he's been excellent at, right? Almost letting all these these institutions get men their ways and almost be less, uh, it's not like a political decision. Yeah. And that must play its role here. In the same way, we want to do the same with ESCOM. Just let things happen. With and just divorce yourself from yeah. it. He's put the, 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 the institutions in place and yeah. hopefully right? yeah. it would be a great thing to have. Hilary, we've got, two, we've got less than two minutes left. Just to come back to ESCOM because people are worried about it, aren't they? Um, the, you, you were worried earlier on about whether there were literally whether there were enough people there who knew how to fix these fix these things. Um, is it possible? Is it possible to to um, to jump over? And you could hear Jabu Mabuza trying to say that in a way yesterday to actually short circuit this, the processes and the procurement and all of that nonsense that happens in companies and just just you know go out and find somebody in the States or wherever in Russia and just pay them an absolute fortune to come and fix six um, units at, that keep tripping or whatever it might be. I mean, and, and, and bugger ESCOM and their management and their processes. I'm not sure, one can bring in, one can and should bring in foreign experts, but yeah. I think there are lots of South Africans with lots of experience who are now outside the country. But they may have jobs that they can't just walk away they from. They may, but they may be willing to come back under the right leadership and with the right resources and the right political support. National service. I mean, there's talk about, like, Brian Dahmer sits there with uh, Patrice Mutsepe uh, working as an energy thing. If Mutsepe can give, it, give us Brian Dahmer for two years on, and, like, ensure he has a job after these two yeah. years kind of thing, Putting back in there, there's Paul O'Flaherty, there's Cabran, other people. Cabran Cabran fixes. He fixed 2008 and he didn't need a committee. He, yeah. he got on top of really? it in a few days. So yeah. he's sitting there. He's sitting there. Oh, in energy. Give him national okay. service. Doing, the whole of ESCOM, ex-ESCOM people are doing renewables now. Renewables. They're there. They're, they're lurking around. So they're out. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. There's a, there's a solution. Patrice Matsepe, please give us Brian Darmus to run ESCOM for two years. Thank you very much for being with us. We hope we'll see you this time again next week.